0: Revenge of the 80s, kids, has been rated P
1: for Podcasts. I'm asking just out of politeness, but how was your sir steak? Uh, a little on the French cuisine-styly, but otherwise marvellous. And you?
0: Vegetable stew. Again. They didn't really cater for vegetarians back before the 1920s, did they?
1: They won't be catering for Ian until McDonald's bursts into existence to cover the landscape like the spawn of hell.
0: Hmm. We've got to do something about his diet. Any larger, and I'm worried that if he meets the event horizon of Black Hole, it will fall into him.
1: He'll be fine. Before he stormed off, he stashed enough bread rolls in his pockets. We could probably use them as a flotation device.
0: Yeah, I almost feel sorry for him. The look of horror on his face when he saw those sautéed potatoes on his plate. The way he prodded them suspiciously with his fork, you would think a face hugger was going to launch itself out and wrap around his head.
1: Well, you might need a face transplant from looking glump while
0: I'm having a fab time. Yeah, I have to say, this holiday getaway idea of yours was fantastic.
1: I think we all need a break. Reviewing the films from the 90s was destroying team morale quicker than Joel Schumacher let loose on the Batman franchise. Although
0: things did get off to a shaky start with our first choice of destination, the flight over was decidedly more con-air than Air Force One. And what with that hotel we checked into? You know, the
1: one with no windows and all those identical rooms linked with hatchways. Awful! As soon as the man carrying our luggage got his face dissolved by an acid trap, and then his riding body ripped apart by razor wire, I checked right out of there. Not putting up with that. And could we find even
0: a motel anywhere else? No. Because of all the South American islands to pick, Ian chose the only one with dinosaurs on it.
1: Yes. You think Ian would have learned to check for that after last time? Still, the Royal Navy did come and save us. And then got sank by a
0: rubbish bomb villain. That's when you stepped in and your much more enjoyable plan be of a merry cruise liner holiday.
1: Well, all those sinking ships made me think of speed too. That's all sat on a boat, isn't it? The thought of catching a glance of Sandra Bullock sunning herself on the upper deck was irresistible.
0: It's a shame the price tag was unassailable.
1: It led to a somewhat ironic observation that when not adjusted for inflation, first class on the actual Titanic was actually cheaper. And between my art skills, a laser printer and a lack of clear
0: morals, it was surprisingly easy to pay for it all with counterfeit contemporary currency. A trip on the real Titanic.
1: This has to be our best use of the time machine yet.
0: Ah, uh, the atmosphere, the fine clothes and dinner each night at the captain's table.
1: Huzzah!
0: There is the captain tonight. Oh, some kind of fuss the navigator was making. He's got to sort things out and looking very cross too.
1: I know, he'll miss all the entertainment.
0: It's not over till the blue lady sings.
1: I also noticed you brought your sketchpad. While well, I appreciate your attempts not to bring advanced technology with you, unlike Ian and his iPhone, his Wii U gamepad, and most egregiously of all his Segway, you do know they actually had cameras back in this day. I
0: remember James Cameron's
1: Titanic very well as it happens.
0: And I know there are a large number of fair English roses on this ship, all pining for one last heady fling before forcible marriage to a rich American banker beckons. I we need to do a few private sketches before New York, if you get my meaning. You
1: old dog! You almost make me wish I wasn't married! King of the world, Leo! King of the world! I know what you'll be doing next summer, wink wink. A toast, Leo! The Titanic! The best holiday ever! Indeed! Cheers! Gentlemen!
2: Gentlemen!
1: Oh
0: dear... Yes, here he comes, the international man of
2: mystery. Gentlemen, we have a... A problem, mayhaps? Yes! How did you know? It's what
0: you always say. You're like the bad news fairy.
2: You're always having
0: problems. Yes, that's life, Ian. You're born, you deal with a series of problems, you die. Why
1: always the song and dance about it? I'm attempting to inject urgency. You do tend to make a bit of a three-act drama out of things, Ian. I'm, I'm saying this is a friend. A friend with blood pressure-related health concerns. I don't like being needlessly excited.
2: You want me to break things to you more gently or something? Come on, needs must. I am always scrupulous and pertinent with the facts in a dire life or death situation. Life or death?
0: You mean like, Gentlemen, we have a problem. I think aliens are telling me to launch
1: Joni Foster into space. Or, Gentlemen, we have a problem. I think the fascist space marines and Starship troopers are really the bad guys. Or, Gentlemen, we have a problem. I
0: suspect our postman is really Kevin Costner. Do you have a water Mitty syndrome or something? Is it's life just
2: so dull, you need to make everything into a mad race against impossible odds? Well, I... Oh, my. Gentlemen, we have a problem. It has come to my attention I have a sense of proportion issue.
1: Oh, God. No, it's okay, Justin. I've got this
2: one. Ian. Hmm? Yes? In Star Trek... What is the purpose of a yellow alert? What? Well, it's, uh, you know, it, it's to tell people to be ready for a possible trouble. As in, um, action stations, everyone, things might get tricky. Maybe not. Just beware. Red alert does exactly the
1: same. So why bother with yellow?
2: Well, if it was red alert every time something happened, I suppose people would become desensitised to its importance. Exactly. That
1: is exactly it. What we have here, Ian, is red alert fatigue. Don't care anymore. All those flashing red lights and klaxons blaring like we're mm, whatever, dude, and getting back to our 3D chest, because chances are whatever's got the captain all excited again isn't really worth worrying about. Klingons be damned.
2: You with us? Right. I understand. Gentlemen a small note of caution. We're all gonna die horribly We have no chance of survival! Uh, ah! No, no, no,
1: no. That was good opening. We're making progress. We just need to refine things a little more on the actual exposition.
2: I don't follow you. You see,
0: Ian, it's a matter of attitude. Any man can bring a problem to the table. It takes a great man to bring a solution.
1: In Japan, the word for crisis is the same as opportunity. See what I mean? I think so. Ugh, last. Okay. In your own time,
2: whenever you're ready, tell us what's on your mind. Right. Um, gentlemen, we have a great opportunity. In the upcoming clash between this boat and an iceberg, we have vital insider information should we wish to place a wager. <laughs> What about the afterlife? Soon, gentlemen! We will have the answers! Out of my way! Let me through! I'm an artist!
0: I can't die here! My greatest work is yet to come! Oh, Sue! How
1: did you know this would happen? I should have listened! Oh, the humanity! On reflection, we really didn't think this one through, did we?
2: Anything left? I'm almost too depressed to call out from under these life jackets to check. No, no. Just a scattering of wreckage now. And floating frozen bodies. Awful author is actually. Where's luck we made to the lifeboat in time? Luck had nothing to do with it. Amazing
0: what you can do with a large gentlemanly brime in the right place.
2: Yes, and begging and crying as you tore the bundles and notes in your pockets undercut the dignity of it slightly. Well, more dignity in that than putting on a dress and pretending to be a woman. And he still wouldn't let us on the lifeboat. He was being a very petty officer.
1: Well, fortunately, between the two of you, he was sufficiently distracted for me to hit him over the head with a silver service tray. Guess we just have to wait for the rescue boat to arrive now.
0: Yes, just wait. A sleepless, fretful waiting.
1: Hmm... Justin,
0: do you still have your sketch pad? If it's in any way likely to keep me buoyant, then I have it somewhere.
2: Could you draw me like one of your French girls?
0: Right, that's it. No choice now. Freezing Atlantic, here I come. No, Justin, don't throw your life away. I'm not. I'm just going to stick my head in the water. Hopefully the
1: resulting frost delirium will erase the image <laughs> I have in my head right now. No, stop it. Sit down. Look, we just need to pass the time constructor. How about we have a chat about the films of 1997? Seems relevant somehow. How so? Well, look around you. What just happened? Surely the first film we should talk about is obvious. Oh, of course. Indeed. Batman and Robin. Yes,
0: you're right. That was a complete and total disaster. Very fitting. Right then.
2: Want to kick off the conversation, Leo?
1: What is there to say about Batman and Robin? What is there to say? I watched a, a little presentation on the internet. It's the guy who does the Everything Wrong With series. Uh The Batman and Robin one is uh, surprisingly only about 23 minutes long, which, uh, I mean, I just thought if you were going to do Everything Wrong With Batman and Robin, then you just showed the film, and that would pretty much uh,
2: mm-hmm. sum it up.
1: But, yeah... uh It killed the franchise for a number of
0: years, and for that, it's pretty. A lot of people's
3: careers as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. So it has done some good work as well. Chris (laughs) McDonnell
3: can
0: get any work, so
1: we can look on the upside. It's
0: well, it's too many characters. Casting is abysmal. Plot doesn't really make any sense. It's it's got Arnold Schwarzenegger in it.
3: Didn't it kill
1: um, Stevenson oh yeah, literally Silverstone, she couldn't get any work
0: after either. It's so gaudy and bright, you know, you, 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 you kind of feel like your eyes and eyeballs are being assaulted, uh, with a neon. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hideous mess.
2: It is like, it is literally like looking at a toy commercial, isn't it? It
0: was, it was the only, it's very one of the few films that I was warned by everyone I knew at the time to not see that does not happen very often. Um, But they were like, please. And, you know, I didn't have cinema cards and those things didn't exist then. So I would have had to have spent money specifically for this. And they were like, don't just don't. It will kill your perception of Batman and everything. And it was. Yeah, it 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 went. Oh, for someone who loves Batman, I just went, oh, that's it. I think pretty much it now.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a sense in which Batman and Robin was very much dictated by the merchandising, what was going to happen. Joel Schumacher was very much, well, you know, one of the things was focus groups had decided Batman is for kids, so they wanted to make a Batman movie, you know, for kids. After the last couple of years of the 1990s in which we have just wended our way down into this pit of hideous cinematic despair, this is uh, ironically, as we're talking about Batman and Robin, the year where we see some signs of revival in cinema and that the, you know, people are starting to get, the studios are starting to produce things for for multiplexes that are more like what we see today. Batman and Robin is kind of like the, the sort of, the, the film that shows us The old world is over. It sums up everything about the movement since the late 70s through the 80s that's kind of over. A film dictated by uh, toys and fast food and merchandising. And, you know, the point at which people, the line which people would not cross. Now, this far and no further. They don't want to go and, you know, that's this is what it is. It's like, that's the one, you know, it's, it's renowned as being one of the worst films ever made. And so Hollywood decided at last, well, we better try and actually make a product. Then mm. it
2: didn't always succeed. Yes. And we've got A-formers now, but. Joel G- Schumacher has come out and apologized. I think George Clooney has apologized as well. So in many ways, I mean, I was never furious. But, but you know, I, I have, I have relented somewhat. It's in the past. I've gotten over it. We've had, we had the, well, the it, Nolan it is, trilogy
0: it, since then. Yeah, exactly. It came back and it actually came back far better, you know, than it had, I, far I, stronger I, than it had before. So maybe it just needed. Yes. I, I liken it. I
2: I'd liken it to Doctor Who, which went completely off the boil. 16 years in the wilderness was actually a good thing on reflection. It's also a Schwarzenegger movie. My God, what's happened to the guy? Chill out. Yeah. Stay cool. How many ice puns are there in that movie? Plenty. Lots and lots of ice puns. And what a fantastic use of it. I mean, the, the thing that strikes me about it is that the Saturday morning cartoon of Batman was far more intelligent than the film of Batman. And that's just so kind of the, what?
1: I, I should point out as well. That uh, after, you know, remember back to the days of Terminator 2, which also says, I don't think it's good for me to be seen as a villain. Well, apparently he was right, because the next time he plays a villain, this is what we get. Yeah, definitely stay Yeah, away but from- he's,
2: he's a villain who doesn't kill anyone. He just freezes them, doesn't he? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a pantomime villain at, at best. And what a fantastic use of Bane. Let's juxtaposition that to Dark Knight Rises,
0: shall we? It's just too much, really. It's just too much to take... You know, it's way too many... I mean, this is a, often the uh, criticism of some other films as well, super where they throw too many villains in. but uh, But there's no attempt to cohesively... They just are thrown together... I mean, Bane... My God, you know, such a good character that is wasted in this film. I, it took me actually a long time to see it. I saw it only maybe two or three years ago. Oh, God. Um, and the fact that there was a ba- i if, if I'd watched it at the time, knowing that there was going to be, you know, 10, 11 years before the next one, it would've, I would have found that utterly depressing. I would have had hope that one was coming back. But yeah, to, just knowing, actually knowing that there, that was it was probably pretty bad. So I'm glad I didn't watch it. It's much, much better knowing that they made some good stuff afterwards, so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all, yeah. It's...
2: Did, did with Thurman's career as well? Because she disappeared for a while as well, didn't she? It did,
3: no. and it, it did and it didn't in a lot of ways. It, it kind of did in the sense of she's not properly ever recovered from it because she's done roles but she's never ever been able to obtain anything from those roles. She's never been considered a serious actor since. She never gets Oscar nominations or anything like that, even though she does some very good roles. So yeah, she's kind of not taken seriously anymore because of it, even though actually she does do some very good
1: roles since. I so, think it doesn't help, in yeah. fact, uh, although we'll get onto this obviously later, that um, she paled up so tightly with Quentin Tarantino, because I think the double whammy of the fact that her quote unquote more serious work is, is in a, you know, kill bill and stuff like that. I mean, Tarantino himself is not perhaps the persona of, you know... It's weird because... um being Miramax kiddies as they are, Kevin Smith has not really done much since Clerks, you know, that nothing's ever equaled that first thing and he's so slowly come to the realisation, oh, I'm not really a, a great film director, I, I just like being in that, in that kind of world, I'm a writer and, and stuff like that, And he's you know, he's found a place, but everyone still kind of likes Kevin Smith, mm. Kevin Smith is... Enormously likable, whereas Tarantino, who kind of started out at the same time, I think, although they, you know, he makes films that make money, he's not really seen as 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 popular as Kevin Smith. And then, of course, there's the guy who made the Boondock Saints, but he's got a documentary made about how how he managed to screw it up. But uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think that there's definitely it was a bit of a career ender. Uh, And indeed, thankfully, it was the end of, you know, uh, people thinking they could get away with that kind of movie. So that's great. I mean, let's look at some of the other disasters that came in this year. We do actually have a disaster that set a trend in Anaconda, which I watched for the first time a couple of nights ago. And I was like, wow, if this didn't exist, what would the sci-fi channel do? (laughs)
0: You know yeah, big, how big, the, stupid monster movies, animal or creature movies. I suppose.
1: What was crazy about it, though, Anaconda, was all the actors in it. I'm like, really? You got, you know, I mean, yes, okay. So two of them, two of them are Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube, but then you know, Eric Stoltz and um, John Voight. Not and, his finest hour, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, John Voight pretending to be a shady South American. But yeah, I mean, basically, this is the movie that started. The, the thing that ends with Sharpnado 2, you know. And actually it? I think for, for TV,
0: made for TV movies is the perfect outing for that kind of stuff actually.
1: Oh yes, it was, it was, it was jolly good fun. The only problem with it is... At that level, with all those actors in it and all the stuff... No, as a conventional film, it doesn't work that format.
0: No. It needs to be big, stupid B-movie TV stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. It works as as a TV movie like that. But the problem is that the TV movie versions of them take it down several further notches, thus not working again in a whole new way. Uh, We also had an American Werewolf in Paris this year. I've seen that once. Yeah. It's like, well, we've got CGI now. It's going to be better, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Well, I think it's, mm, it's, no. it does it does expose mm. that thing. Like the werewolf is the problematic cinema villain, and, and remains so to this very day. In that you only ever seem to hit the werewolf properly by accident, and that it's really easy to make a screen werewolf look terrible.
0: The thing is that you know they just
1: they didn't have any humour in it, and that's the whole point of American World in London. If you're
0: going to make a sequel, you have to carry through the same type of humour. It's not about werewolves, you know. It's they, they kind of missed the point. It was just like, anyone can make a film about werewolves. But if you're going to actually be part of that franchise, it needs to be somehow, you know, thematically linked to it. But they didn't bother.
2: It's also the, the first film is also somewhat iconic as well. So it really does feel like you're, 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 an unnecessary sequel that utterly fails yeah, to appreciate absolutely. the original but
0: classic. You know, it have been, if it had done with the same spirit and the same humour, it could, you know, it it could have been reasonable, but they didn't bother any of that. It was like, you know, typical kind of lazy. We'll, we'll rely on the name. You'll have werewolves in it,
1: you know. Great. We also had the Jackal remake with Bruce Willis this <laughs> Notable, mostly for Bruce Willis's terrible blonde wig at yeah. one stage. That's the thing. You see, I think that's where you can tell that a thriller has failed when the most the most abiding mental image from the film. Is Bruce Willis in a weird blonde wig. It's like, obviously not very, uh, not a very thrilling thriller, because if it had been, you'd be able to remember something else. I
2: don't know, maybe yeah, that's just me. It's one um, of, the rare I where Bruce Willis plays a bad guy, as far as I can remember.
0: Uh, I don't remember much about it, to be honest. I did see it, but I kind of, uh, the, 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 the original is more memorable to me.
2: This is a, I'm, I'm just
1: wondering if this is the same, you know, that, yes. It's weird because this year, you know, obviously people talk about Dante's Peak and Volcano and things like that, Deep Impact and Armageddon. But uh, this was a year in which we had released at the same time a pair of movies in which someone who's supposed to be a master of disguise in no way is a master of disguise. Those being The Jackal and The Saint with Val Kilmer Mm -hmm. in both of them. They're like, yes, we would never know who it is. And you're like, but that's blatantly Bruce Willis in a blonde wig. Or that's blatantly Val Kilmer thinking about having an extra donut. Don't
2: do it, Val! (laughs) The thing Uh, is, people are like, I can't believe you're bailing on Batman to go make The Saint, you traitor. But now we look at it as like, actually, The Saint was a rather judicial decision, all things considered.
1: Well, nobody remembers The Saint, so yeah, so he got away with it, in a way. Plus, you know... That Batman rubber costume gets very hot. It's very hard to eat cheeseburgers while you're in that Batman costume, whereas the same dresses in normal clothes. If you want to nip out to Burger King, nobody will notice.
2: Um, <laughs> your your contempt of Val Kilmer is visceral, Leo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just love the fact that he was Val Kilmer, and then he was fat Val Kilmer. I'm just like, that's hilarious to this
3: me. Is, this is coming from you. You're not exactly... Yeah, but I, I was, I was, yes, you didn't I was
1: start as a, Val Kilner, I didn't basically. start as Val Kilmer, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I think, you know, if you've got something precious, don't screw it up, I think is
1: the word. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking the point is that I think that there's a, a, an element to which there's a possibility that Val Kilmer got up one morning with his, you know, chiselled abs and whatever and went, well, I can either stay like this or I can enjoy donuts, cheeseburgers and pizza. Yeah. And donuts, cheeseburgers and pizza one, And I can respect that decision. <laughs>
3: So you see, it's not evisceration, it's actually respect. He, yes. he, he likes Fat Val Kilmer more. There actually,
1: Fat Val's a better actor than Thin Val was. That's a true, that's a true fact. Except in Tombstone, where th- very thin, emaciated Val is is a very good actor indeed. He's
3: an indeed. amazing
1: actor in yeah. Tombstone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Val Kilmer retrospective coming up anyway. <laughs> uh, so we had the jackal, that was... A- oh, yes, and of course, Quentin Tarantino's first quote-unquote flop being Jackie Brown, the film which um, it wasn't anywhere near as popular or as hyped as any of his other films, and means that now he won't direct other people's scripts ever again. Mm. I quite like
0: Jackie Brown, but it's far more mainstream than his other stuff. It, it, it's kind of lacking the some of the edge of his early work.
1: There are people way. who consider it to be his, his I, best movie. But I actually
0: enjoyed it, I'd say.
1: Oh, we also had to kiss the girls uh, this year. One of my favourite, uh, they, they, I think they kind of reined this in after this. But basically, the um, cast list went: Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd, Carrie Elwes. More people who are actors. More actors. More actors. And then it's like the FBI agent played by Morgan Freeman drives into the town where the serial killer is striking. Hi, I'm the deputy. My name is Carrie Elwes. It's Carrie Elwes. And then he goes, I'm just going to go over here and not appear for the next 80 minutes. And then after 45, the audience will go, hmm, Carrie Elwes was third in the cast list. And yet he's not been in it at all. Wonder who the killer is. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Yeah, like it's the first time I remember being in the cinema watching that movie and the fact that the entire audience was just like they got to a point where it was like really seriously you're gonna make us sit through the rest of this we all know he was third in the cast list people so yeah that that, was the most egregious example of that ever I was just like yeah you ruined it by your cast list when you put the cast at the beginning that's how you ruined it I've nearly got through all the disasters now. Uh, for a year for disasters, Mimic, Guillermo del Toro's least exciting movie ever. It's
3: not that bad.
1: It's not bad, it's but it's not Del, recognisable del Toro. recognisable Del Toro, is it really? And people forget that Jeremy Northam is the uh, guy in it. They all think it's Colin Firth, but it's not. It's Jeremy Northam. Yeah, it's OK. Uh, and Mimic sits on the list nicely next to Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Is there anything we really need to say about that?
3: It's terrible. Couldn't there we go. The Good. Let's move go.
1: on. The Postman. Oh my God. Who ate all the pies? Val oh, Kilmer. I don't think I've but ever. Kevin s- Costner was stood right next him.
0: I don't think I've ever sat through this completely. You get you, if any, you kind of hear Postman you think oh that's going to be exciting. No, I this saw is.
1: I saw the trailer for the new Mad Max movie the other day with. With Tom Hardy as Mad Max, which is unfortunate now because there's not very much dialogue as Mad Max is what to do, and I keep imagining now that it's like, "What's your name?" My name is Mad Max. <laughs> uh, that's all I can think of from Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. You watch that? and There's all the cars and, explosions I think he is and right. the explosions.
2: right. I thought
1: the Postman was an
0: ironic title. No, he's a postman.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what I can glean from the from the trailer is that he attempts to rebuild. You know, society by delivering mail to people. And this In gives post- them hope.
0: In post apocalyptic catastrophes, the first casualty is the postal system. <laughs> One
1: man can repair it. I'm waiting for that I'm waiting for that uh, I'm waiting for that postman book of Eli crossover <laughs> where they meet, where they meet in the desert. They said, Are you Eli? Yeah, I've got a letter for you. Oh great, I've got um I've got some pamphlets here about the doubt Jesus will save your life. Yes. Like, yeah, this is what the <laughs> yes.
2: pamphlets is about. I <laughs> mail <made laughs> order that Bible
1: months ago. Where's it been?
0: It's like, Oh my god, I'm so pleased that we had junk mail again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please, come on. It is, it's got it's about five hours,
1: isn't it? I don't know, well, I, 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 gave up. I have a letter for you.
3: Oh, fantastic! It's two for Tuesday! <laughs> we can buy one and get one free! <laughs>
2: and one first prize in the That's drawer! Got
3: the inland revenue £40,000! Uh, yeah,
1: yes. so, uh, moving, <laughs> moving on from that. The relic, of course. Uh, it's interesting yeah. that the relic and Anaconda should come out in the same way. The relic as well. was definitely in the
0: wave of, um, it's it's right in the crest of the wave of the C G I the relic. It is completely like, listen, we can do all kind of stuff now. We can have a monster in a museum and look. And I remember it was one of those films that you just kind of were watching for the CGI because it was still relatively fresh and new at this stage and you were like, Yes, it's brilliant. It's pretty terrible and then there's a monster at the end, yeah. and it, oh, it actually doesn't look very good anyway. So uh yeah.
1: Let's lump together Spawn and Speed Two. They came Spawn out. this year. Spawn was rather disappointing. Yes, yeah, Spawn was terrible. Um,
0: I rather liked Spawn as a character, and I was like, mm, "This isn't really what I what I bought in for." It's, a,
1: it's. I mean, I suppose it's the first uh, example of um, where what they did was they said, "Hey, let's make a superhero movie." But have you heard this new emo music that they're mm. playing? Let's let's <laughs> marry the character off to the emo movie. I mean, uh, I mean. Let's not forget that one of the most important things about, uh, about this is that, um, Spawn is, is, is like one of the, you know, he's supposed to be like a black superhero, like really, it's important that he's black mm. and what have you. And it's like, really, this is not how you, you know, it's like, uh, Spawn, Spider-Man, mm, I'm not sure who I'd rather be. Oh no, I am. You know, it's yeah. like, Except of course, Spider-Man has a sucky life, whereas uh, Spawn just gets to go and be miserable in the corner, talk about his parents doesn't understand him and stuff like that. And, oh, I hate you, Satan, you stupid. Mm. Yeah, it um, was a yeah, terrible. Underwhelming. And, and Speed 2. Uh, Speed 2, of course, uh, you may remember from a couple of weeks ago, maybe I mentioned it, maybe I didn't. The script for Speed 2 was originally intended to be Die Hard 3. Right. Okay. Which, if you watch Speed Two, makes perfect sense. You just kind of go. I think the thing that killed Speed Two was the fact that it in no way has anything to do with things going quickly. Like there is there is no speed in Speed Two, but it's a perfectly serviceable action movie. And Hollywood learned to its cost that the audience is not willing to forgive. Like a basic portrayal of the concept of the title to put up with a perfectly serviceable action movie yeah, am I the only one that's seen Speed 2? I've seen it, yeah, I was a bit underwhelmed, I have to say it's all right
0: but an it's action still, it's movie. okay, but yeah, I did come way going. I don't re really, other than Sandra Bullock. I don't really see any particular connection with the first one at all
1: yeah, it was it's it's the further adventures of Sandra Bullock's character due to the fact that uh, Keanu Reeves proved how stupid he's not by mm-hmm. going. I think I'll take a pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jason Patrick proved how why he has no career by going, yeah, that looks good. I'll do that.
2: Is Alien Resurrection considered a uh, miserable film? Oh yeah, Alien
1: Resurrection is definitely a disaster point. Well, I know it isn't because the the uh, franchise has just gone down. Well, of, for me, I don't know it's Alien Three.
0: I mean, parts of it don't work at all. Like the the whole weird kind of, you know, alien baby thing is all a bit organic, kind of, that I, that I think, that was all a bit strange. I but think, part of it are the stuff that I like by the directors,
1: you know, the kind of quirkiness. Yeah. The I'm crew nothing... I thought was very good, the ship yeah. crew. I think that the one thing that Alien Resurrection proves, beyond a shadow of doubt, is that um, Josh Whedon should not be allowed to write the script for a multi-million dollar action blockbuster. That's That's what that proves. <laughs> a bullet dodge there.
2: but it's had to be said there wasn't i thought it was a reasonably clever way of bringing back Ripley. if you must contrive a way to bring back ripley this was an interesting way to do it
0: i think the problem is thematically because of the flair of the director and everything else it's so distinct that it doesn't quite feel it's the same universe at all that's the problem (laughs) It's like, it might as well have just, I remember watching it thinking, I wish I'd just seen, you know, just a sci-fi film with that crew in and just doing something else, rather than it being an alien thing. That just seemed to be kind of not right to me. I
1: have a a slightly different perspective on it, you see. First of all, uh, it's not Alien 3, yeah, which is always a good thing. Anything that's not Alien 3 is good. Plus... It's called Alien Resurrection. So, in theory, you could watch Alien Aliens and then go straight to Alien Resurrection, but yes, you'd have to explain why Ripley was dead. Although it is set far in the future, so she'd have died of natural causes. Yes, that's what happened. There wasn't anything <laughs> to do with the prison.
2: Yes, Hicks and Neudus are alive somewhere. I know it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so, uh, it's not Alien 3. Plus, it's the first one that I ever saw at the, the cinema. In fact, it might yeah. be the only one I've actually seen in a cinema of the actual pure alien ones. I've seen both the Aliens versus Predator in the cinema, and I liked them. Screw you. But yeah, this is the only one I've seen in the cinema. So as a,
2: I saw an alien movie in the cinema, it was fine. This is also, this is the, this is the last of the pure alien iterations. It's strange, they, they seem to like the first film is about an alien out of its environment, trapped on a spaceship, and so it's terrifying. And then you do the one in, you know, we're we, we good at aliens... And we do that story uh, back on the planet again. That was that was good. But afterwards, they seem to completely forget that these aliens must come from somewhere and have an origin. And then there's other there's a crashed spaceship where the eggs all are in the first place. They seem to forget all that and just go through more iterations of how can we get some eggs on another on another confined metal space somewhere with a small set of disposable human beings. It's, it's a bizarre how they just seem to keep banging exactly the same drum. The other thing about it that strikes, that sticks in my memory about it is the fact that we are told there are 12 aliens on board and one queen. To which Ripley says we can't let these guys get to earth, we're gonna crash this massive spaceship into the planet to save humanity. And by the end, most of the aliens are dead, the Queen is dead, and so all that happens is a massive catastrophe where a large spaceship crashes into Earth and presumably kills millions of people. Thanks, Ripley!
1: And that's why they never made a sequel to that one. So, yeah, so we, that's our disaster roundup. I mean, Air Force One, that was underwhelming, wasn't it? You'd think that an action movie with Harrison Ford uh, fighting Gary Oldman would be good, but it's not. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know, it suffers from Harrison Ford not... Not being in Blade Runner Star Wars or, or Raiders <laughs> franchise is pretty really dull. Anything else he's in,
1: quite frankly. The thing is, the thing is, you know that it's, I mean, you know, at the end, you go, well, if this is what you were leading up to, I should, if, if only I'd spoiled it for myself and watched the last five minutes first, I'd have known not to bother with the rest of the movie because the last thing you say to the
2: bad guy should not be, get off my plane! <laughs> Not very presidential, is it? That's what Fox News says.
1: It's just not very good. It's like, that's a quip. <laughs> like, I, it would have been quite funny if Gary almost was like clinging on to the ad it was going, really? <laughs> I'm going to die and that's how you're going to send me off? Get off my plane? I was more like, oh, wait a second. Um, <laughs> this one worked. Uh, I know. Yeah, no, no I haven't really <laughs> set you up for that. I hate snakes. That'll do. Ah! I can't believe I voted for you.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, so Air Force One, that was rubbish. Um, so now let's move on to the, the that's that's the bad weather. Yeah, let's have some. Now let's out, let's on. move on to the good weather, the yeah. good weather, such as uh, oh, while we're here, conspiracy theory. Uh, Mel Gibson, Jr. Roberts in a fairly forgettable action movie. That's the thing we've got we've got all the levels here. We've got things that went badly. We have got things that went well, but in between, we've, it's like a sandwich where in the middle is is a mystery meat of lunch and sort of with a little bit of slightly limp lettuce. Um, one thing I remember about this, I didn't see it at the time because I was like, hmm, nothing about this film appeals to me in any way. Uh, and then I saw it later I thought, actually, that was much better than I thought it would be. And I think that's one of the things. I think that's a bad way to run your business is to make things that look so mind-crushingly awful that when people see them and they're not bad, they go, "Huh, oh, I enjoyed that. That's not a way to sell a product. But, um, you know, that's what happened. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that going around uh, as well, I think, um, at this time. Yep. Uh, and, of course, uh, we've also got... Uh, Uh, the the remake of The Prisoner uh, that they made in 1997. Everyone remember that? They remade The Prisoner. Uh, I remember it being made. I don't think I actually saw it. Uh,
2: The remake? No, no. Well, you obviously... It it was a kind of pseudo-remake, wasn't as I recall.
1: Yes, it's Double Team, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Mickey Rook and uh, Dennis Rodman. Uh, This was a great film because, yes, uh, it is like what The Prisoner would be like if it was a martial arts movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme nice. and a random basketballer, uh, basketball person with Mickey Rook as the villain. Well, basically what happens is that at the beginning Jean-Claude Van Damme's character gets blown up, except he doesn't die. He's, he's transported mysteriously to an island of weirdos, uh, nice. where he's then unleashed to go and find the villain who, uh, put him down and there's a lot of like high kicking and you know, all the usual Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff. And uh, it's most notable for the fact that I believe at the end, Mickey Rourke gets taken down by his own tiger or something in a in the Colosseum in Italy. Right. Surrounded, <laughs> by, surrounded by landmines. I think, in fact, what happens is that Mickey Rourke stood in front of a landmine. The tiger leaps onto Mickey Rourke, knocking him onto the landmine and blowing them both up. That's, you see, and meanwhile, why, Harrison Ford is going, a, get off
0: my plane! Is, is this why he had extensive plastic surgery, to re- remove him from memory of watching the this
1: scene is, in this film? This is, this is, <laughs> this is Mickey Rourke in the, in the, he's had a couple of procedures done, but he hasn't gone the full. Now this tipped
0: him over the edge. Yeah. I never want to be recognised well,
1: again. He, he was in another film in 1997, The Rainmaker, which I watched the other day. I think I'd seen it before. But what's really interesting about The Rainmaker is that it's a type of film, I don't know if there's any more like this to come in the following years, but by now they would never make a film like this because it is essentially like watching a drama, HBO drama miniseries for two hours. The function of The Rainmaker has been entirely replaced by high-quality television. So you would never make a film like that. There's no point. Nobody would go to the cinema to see it. they go, oh, I could go see The Rainmaker, or I could sit on my sofa and watch you know, AMC for a couple of hours or yeah. Netflix, um, which is interesting. So it's, it was weird because Rainmaker is made by Francis Ford Coppola, stars Matt Damon, Danny DeVito, Mickey Rourke, uh John Voight again, in fact. Uh, these people were busy in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a courtroom drama um, about yeah. stuff. Uh, it's John Grisham adaptation. It's perfectly fine, but there's no reason to watch it at the cinema. No. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola, a little bit overdone for a fairly boring yeah. courtroom. You te- know, tedious, but boring, like unremarkable courtroom drama. So, yeah, so uh, Mickey Rook was in that as well. Um, and you're like, wow, Mickey Rook So he's he, this is where he starts to come back. And I think he could have had a, a, a fantastic second half of his career going on from that, being as uh, he was he was willing to mix it up with a bit of action, and he was then in a Francis Ford Coppola movie playing uh, a shady lawyer, and he was all looking good. And then he went and uh, got a plastic surgery addiction, and so people yeah. were like, hmm, no, I don't think we'll hire him yeah. unless we want someone who looks like a freak, which yeah.
2: has happened a few times now. But, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So you've seen Double Team then, Ian?
2: I, haven't, I know of it. Because of the because it turns into the prisoner, blatantly so. Uh, it is worth a watch. It's the most
1: uh, remarkably Daffy uh, sort of. It really cuts the edge between a straight martial arts action movie and uh, <clears> sort <throat> of uh, sci-fi because it kind of. Uh, talking of sci-fi, Fifth Element came out in 1997. Yes! Oh, a nice now. I love. Then I have to say. Um, oh, and while we we're on the subject, we'll lump it together with Face Off because Mickey Rourke Plastic Surfer. Oh, surgeon. well, two great yeah. films, actually. Yeah, so Face Off was a fantastic
0: films? film. But with then, I there was a lot I liked about this film. It was very reminiscent for me of kind of heavy metal and stuff that I'd seen in the kind of seventies and eighties. This kind of particularly gaudy looking kind of, and I believe it's the, the taxi driver is ripped off of. uh, oh yes there
1: was a heavy metal cartoon uh,
0: with the yeah yeah. Um, but I I, apart from the the ending which I thought it kind of just didn't really work very well I loved the kind of build up to it Uh, it's kind of crazy you know but you know it's Luke on so you expect something a little bit different from your kind of standard fare and the costumes are kind of amazing and the look of it it's just yeah I mean I I think I think it's a great little film um, but it just doesn't Quite end right for me. The, the two irritations
2: kind of the two irritations I have it, is it Chris Rock who's in this? Uh, yeah. uh, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker, Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yeah. yeah, he's meant to
0: be irritated I didn't mind that. He's <sighs> obnoxious.
2: Yeah, he, yeah. But but I
0: think that's a, for a purpose. You know, he's not like meant to be the hero and just obnoxious. He is intended to be that, and I that's dealable.
2: I the, can, the, I can. the other quibble I have because I'm a big sucker for the sort of As- Aristelian elements of water, fire, earth, air. And it's, it's kind of a shame that they're all just bundled together. They find them all in the same place. There was no, I mean, this is a smile quibble. There isn't really much to them that is about the elements until they have to open them at the end where it's very kind of ad hoc. That was, that's a kind of a minor quibble. Apart from that, it was, I thought it was a wonderful film. It was one of the joys of the year. Yeah. It is, it is definitely, uh, I didn't see it at the time.
1: I didn't fancy it. Uh, and, and it, went, it went out of the cinema remarkably quickly for such a high-budget sci-fi film. I think the other thing is that Luke Besson, if you think about it to this point, had done, like, Leon the Professional, and he'd done uh, Nikita, uh, and, it, I mean, this still stands out as quite a bizarre entry in his CV. Yeah. Uh even though he's done many uh, crazy, wacky things since then, none of them have involved this kind of Blade Runner on acid kind of feeling. But it, I mean, yeah, it's got this—it's um it's got this French comic book feel as well,
0: which oh, obviously it's is on. Obvious, there's yeah. definitely touches of uh, maybe Mobius there, isn't it? Yeah, Um there's a look of that which is absolutely right. If you, you know, it's kind of French sci-fi, so that's why I'm—that's why I'm reminded of kind of heavy metal and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I think mean, it's it's kind of flawed, but it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So you know? uh, yeah, Fifth Element is the. It's weird. It's a, I never saw that at the cinema, and that's a regret that I have that I yeah. never got to see it on the big screen. Absolutely love the Fifth Element. Uh, I think it's one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, interestingly, uh, the bit where the balcony explodes at the end—that's the last time that they did an explosion on that scale. For real. From that point on, all explosions of that size or larger uh, had CGI elements. They were cobbled together from smaller explosions and CGI elements put into them. So, yes, that was the, you know, the the pyro team had, had their last big blast at that point. Uh, so that's, uh, interesting. Oh, and of course, let's not forget, um, uh, appearances from, uh, everyone's favourite Bristolian rapper Tricky and Lee Evans. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think that's one of the things about the fifth element, all the tiny little bits that just come into the film and they're completely random. It doesn't matter. Uh, what was it? Uh, Sandra Bernhardt as Bruce Willis's mother yeah. and just everything's just weird, like, mm. and, and that's, uh, excellent i think that is an yeah. excellent quality for this kind of sci-fi to have uh, one film that isn't sci-fi or kind of is sci-fi but not as sci-fi as the original script would have been is face off which i was uh, mentioning at the yeah, same I love time Face-Off. yeah yes yeah. i really love face off I, I saw about it again, times and, again and
0: again it's just a very well made film it's very clever i think the actors are fantastic in it and they're very convincing, kind of playing themselves.
1: I think there's an accident uh, in Face Off, a happy accident, serendipity, in that before this, John Woo would come to Hollywood and done a Hard Target. Uh, uh, and that didn't go over so well. And then he was allowed allowed to do this. And when he got the script, he said, well, I'd like to do this. But I don't really make science fiction. And by science fiction, I mean this script when it was originally because the guys who wrote it were like, well, we're taking someone's face and putting it on someone else. we're swapping two actors uh, in order to do that. Obviously, we're not going to do it in the modern era. We're going to do it in the future. And it had stuff like a sort of a, a monorail chase right. where the guards on the monorails were cyborg monkeys and all of this stuff. That was the original script right. to face off. Um, and John Woo said, I don't really do all that stuff. I do uh, emotional drama. Trust me, we'll set it in the modern day. Uh, yeah, we'll have to hand wave a bit to swap the two actors around. But the important part about this movie is the two people swapping places yeah. and being each other in this kind of weird way where it's them, but they're in a different a body that's not their own and all of this kind of stuff. And the emotional connection that makes between the two men. That's the important part. And he was absolutely right. It was absolutely yeah, it's right. It's completely preposterous, yes. and yet people kind of let it go. Yep, because sure. it's like, well, yeah, but come on,
2: man. I've got to
1: take his face
2: it's off. It's that strange paradox of John Travolta being the bad guy, being killed, and at the resolution, the good guy is John Travolta again. It's, it's really strange. Anyway. Yeah, yeah no, a tracking film. You
0: know, we'll happily watch that again when it's on.
2: Yeah, it's
1: it's it's, face off is just so yeah, I mean these are the the points at which this i mean face off and the fifth element are things that we can go to today and say these things are like those films. These are the classic you know, multiplex fodder, starts here, drive a stake into the ground. On a slightly on a slightly less ostentatious possibly but still pretty uh Pretty familiar in the setup. Uh, Devil's advocate, Keanu Reeves and oh, Al Pacino, a place of the devil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I quite I quite enjoy the actually. Bit of silly nonsense.
1: I, I I really did love it. I mean, it, it's another one of the ones where uh, Keanu Reeves is, in some sense, the chosen one uh, <laughs> in his in his uh, great career of being the chosen one over and over again. In this one, he's kind of the antichrist. The, the thing about it is Keanu Reeves being sensible. Uh, opts not to do Speed to, and opts instead to be a piece of scenery in the orbit of Al Pacino yes. being the devil <laughs> and I think that's the best way around to play yeah, that. You know, if you'd had him and another person who could actually bring some, some gravitas to the role of the, you know if you'd had a young Leonardo DiCaprio being all brooding next to Al Pacino being the devil, it wouldn't have worked no. because you've got those two personalities struggling for screen time as it is, Keanu steps back you know, I'll never rule the world with you. You're terrible. Oh, I hate you. Oh, it's not fair. Yeah. Mm. I win! <laughs> That's what I do! You know, doing that bit. And then there's, uh, you know, uh, Al Pacino, uh, in, uh, Full, full Devil. Hoo-ha! Yeah. Uh, Calling God an Absentee Landlord. Fantastic stuff. So yeah, I mean, you know, this is it. We're starting to warm up now. The, uh, yeah. the cinema is starting to come. Come back to life. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite films of this year. Another one that kind of slips by most people's radar. And I'm imagining, I don't know, I can't tell who might have seen this in the room. Probably everybody. The game. Don't oh yeah, I yes. that.
0: That was actually a, a, now, not, a really nice fun idea. This
1: conversation cannot be had without spoilers for the game. Yeah. So if you have not seen the game. Fast forward about, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, because it will be through it quite quickly. My favourite thing about the game is the complete... It's like the reverse of an M. Night Shyamalan flick. It's the fact that the twist is, there is no twist. Everything yeah. is exactly as it's purported to be. Yeah. And then that's the thing. It's like, all the way through, it's like, oh, we make your life fun. Consumer Recreation Services, oh, that's scary. Oh, my life is being... And at the end, it's like, no, we were just joking. It was a game. You said, we gave you a thing. You said, it's a game. It's, <laughs> it's, ga- it, it's a game. Really, everything's fine. Dead people, they're not dead. Nobody's terrorising you, dude. It's a game. And he's like, I, I i think a lot of people felt cheated by that. It's like, but they told you.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's like, oh, I'd love that. Okay, so uh, uh, coming back with us. Also, we had this year, Gross Point Blank. Yep. Uh, so, yes, um, yep. uh, amazing uh, film.
0: Are there any... Bad films that uh, that John Cusack has been in. I don't think there's many. Not many. I think no. he's very, very good at choosing films. I'm, I think I enjoy. Probably ninety five percent of the films he's ever made.
1: Um Gross Point Blank is, is particularly uh good for uh the eighties nostalgia, mm. being as they cleverly did the thing with the school reunion and only played yeah. songs from, you know, whatever it was, nineteen eighty six or whatever it was. Uh, brilliant. Just so the soundtrack is amazing, yeah. uh I like the concept, and I think they played it exactly right. It's kind of like John Hughes meets Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So yeah, that that was that was awesome. Uh, we had, uh, LA Confidential this year. Yep, yeah, good. Get him, get me, uh, noir, you know, 2030s fix, so, no, uh, all good. I'm all gonna good make stuff. a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Ian's watering can of tepid water, uh, here, and bring this out. Has that film aged well? Because I don't think it has aged well. Well, really I haven't well. seen it since, so I don't know. Ian, LA Confidential?
2: I think it's a film I've only seen once, something I saw on television as well.
1: I I loved it when I first saw yeah. it, but I think on subsequent watches, I mean, the problem is it is very long, yeah. and yeah, it's. I think you probably find it doesn't wear well. The more you watch it, the more you're like, "Oh, really? Are we, that bit? Oh, god! Can we get on with it?" Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a good film. I mean, in that way, uh, you know, it is a good film. I, I
2: I wasn't expecting what happened to Kevin Spacey when it happened. I will I will give it that. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. So, yes. Um, the Lost World, of course, the sequel yep. to, to But
1: this was famous at the time because Steven Spielberg, you know, he doesn't do sequels unless that sequel is The Lost World.
0: And of course, there's, the, you know, the uh, uh, Shinders, there's the musical uh, sequel <laughs> coming up. But um, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, I... I um, we're going into proper, you know, like you say, the kind of the rise of the multiplayer is really kicking in now. This is a proper. Blockbuster thing. I I quite enjoyed it, actually. It was a different tone to the first one, much more kind of a traditional disaster kind of movie than um, and a kind of monster movie than uh, Jurassic Park, which is you know, got
1: elements of kind of a kids' film to it, more of a Spielberg kind of touch. It felt more grown up. I didn't go and see Jurassic Park at the cinema. And in fact, there is a possibility that at the time when I went into The Lost World to watch the second one, I'd only read the book of Jurassic Park. I had never actually caught the movie at all. So I was, you know, it was I mean, like my first time seeing big dinosaurs. Jurassic, on the big Jurassic, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park is more like a theme park ride. It's like, we'll dazzle you with these incredible, you know, dinosaurs and you'll be like, wow. And you just kind of starry eye looking at the stuff going, this is amazing. Whereas actually, and, but Lost World kind of settled in and go, well, we do this now. So now let's have the story and it's, it's more like Spielberg's other kind of films, the stop, you know, um than this kind of just yeah, this kind of uh, effects fest. So it's it's got a little bit more grounding, a bit more dramatic, you know, more guns, more. It's it's I I I think in many ways it's kind of superior to the. Am I
1: original. correct? Am I correct in thinking that this year, that in the lost world, there is a, a PlayStation playing Dino Crisis? Uh,
2: I cannot recall that. I'm pretty detail. sure because when the And now's got there's a child
1: in it old Bloom's stepchild or no, whatever. No, when the Tyrannosaurus gets off the ship there's a there's a bit where it goes on a rampage yeah. through San Francisco oh, yes. or whatever. Yeah. And there's these two kids. I'm sure that one of the kids is playing on a PlayStation Dino Crisis because that's the, the little Resident Evil thing with Velociraptors. Yeah 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 uh, okay.
2: Playstation game.
1: And that they're playing that and then they look out the window there's Tyrannosaurus it's hilarious. Yes. Uh,
2: interesting uh, interesting little little fact to do isn't it? little little factoid for lost world uh when steven spielberg latex went on to do kingdom of the crystal skulls originally it was envisioned that indy was going to have a daughter he never knew about which would have tied into him having a daughter in india jones uh young india jones chronicles because you see a flash forward and he has a daughter there as well so that would have been the connection but Steven Spielberg said, "Well, I like guess kind of done a film where this guy's got a kind of daughter in a jungle situation." Oh my god. I don't want to repeat that. Let's let's make it a a boy instead. And, and Shia that's LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, start... in that
0: case and I despise this film with a passion now.
1: <laughs>
0: um, it brought us the buff.
1: Well, I mean, to move on uh, sideways uh, using the uh, power of CGI, Uh, Another high-watermark for CGI this year was uh, Starship Troopers, and a return from our friend Paul Verhoeven. Now, I uh, I rather like Starship Troopers. Well, I mean, Starship Troopers, for a start, says, right, basically, you've you've got this man, he's done Robocop! Yes! And then he's done Total Recall! Yes! And then Basic Instinct, and then (laughs) Showgirls! (gasps) <gasps> and then Starship <laughs> Troopers so you know uh, welcome back to the fold Paul uh, we knew you didn't really it, go it, away it is oh, a just...
2: it is a film that I saw it and I was like it's oh, alright but you watch it again and it really starts to grow in you more and more the more times oh, you I,
0: see I, it I, I loved it from the beginning I've watched it several times I know I've had arguments with my friend because one of my friends was like, oh, this is so clever. It's so satirical. They could cast all these beautiful people and it's a satire. And then he went, oh, no, it's not a satire. They've just cast beautiful people. And, and I'm like, oh, I don't care. I think this is good. It is a satire, though. It is a satire. I still see it as a satire. I mean, you've got all the flipping, you know, the Robocop elements of the, the,
1: the, the TV broadcasters and stuff. I mean, it has oh, to be a satire. And, of course, it introduced the world to the glory that was. Doogie Howser, SS. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, it's great. I loved it at the time. I've watched it several times. It's gloriously over the top. You know, there's people dying left, right and centre, blood, gore, insectoid creatures. Uh, it's great, you know. <laughs> Popcorn. And it's got an edge to it, you it know. It's not it? just kind of, you know, it is, a, it is, it is kind of brutal and, and is, is, is a satire. And for that, it's like shades of Robocop. Do you
1: want to know more?
0: So, yes. Yeah, so well, it was kind of like watching a big-budget version of RoboCop again, really, in some respect.
1: Citizenship is guaranteed. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there we go.
2: Your limbs, yes. not so much.
1: Yeah, so there we go. On uh,
2: the
0: sci-fi theme, should we talk about the Star Wars trilogy? Uh,
1: well, what I was actually going to uh, take us. Well, yeah, Star Wars... Oh Well, yeah, now, th- this is a bit weird that you should say. I mean, we've, Star Wars is Star Wars. They re-released it. They put some CGI on it, yeah? Yeah. Um, well, I think, though, that... I mean, at the time, I I was
0: like... So I was on the big screen, so I was very excited. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah! And actually, I was totally taken in. I was like, yeah, effects is great, more effects. And then I got it on DVD and started watching it, and then where I could compare it with the original, I'm like, wait a minute. Well, one, well, there was the immediate kind of handshot first thing, which was aggravating at the time. But... um uh, but then I, then I started going, am like, I don't think the addition of all this stuff is actually helping this. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. took me about three or four years to work that out. I'm like, as, as as the st- euphoria died down, I'm like, mm, something,
1: and then of course we would get the horrors to come, but we'll deal with that with another show. Yeah, yeah. yeah? As, 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 I should say, as someone who really doesn't care that much, I don't care. Um, and it's almost like you're bringing up, st- oh sorry, you had something to say about Star Wars re, uh, re, re- duxed,
2: Ian. Yes, well uh, I was just going to further Justin's point about the CGI, which is a, a textbook case in how not to use CGI, I felt because it, it's so kind of, hey look at me, look how clever I am um, as, as an they, example, got got they got better, they got better as the release as, released. As, as an example, you have, a, you have a very small scene where you've got 3PO uh, and RTD2 an outside hiding in a door, and there's some traumas students yeah. looking around. In the back, in the middle of the film, there's a dewback. Dewback is a large lizard creature. And before, it was just a large prop that wobbled a bit. But now, it's a fully rendered beast. It just can't be a fully rendered beast. It has to sit there and bray endlessly, throughout the scene, going, I'm here, I'm a rendered CJ creature. So nice. yeah. And when you go to the big sing, the fact he put a different song in Return of the Jedi, in Jabba's Palace, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. It's the fact that you've got the, when the little furry dude is singing, you go right up close to his mouth and you look down at the back of his throat and you see the back of his throat wobbling. That is animation. That is how animation acts it's not how physical objects act it's not how puppets act it is only how a drawn thing acts you will not do that with a real thing so it de- it, it defeats the realism of cgi if you do it that way and uh yeah there's a lot of ugly pointless additions and he's, he's further I mean, done Joey, the the it, Blu-ray it's the case that we are we are seeing you know the
0: rise and fall and uh, now the fall of george lucas in the in the parts of it if it just stopped clean 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 up the film print You know, it's fine to add a few spaceships flying over Mos Eisley. I don't mind that. I just, you know, clean up things where necessary. But, of course, the man becomes incapable of such things and it's all going to get far worse. But, you know.
1: But uh, what I was originally going to say before we went into this big diversion through the Star Wars trilogy and, and its special editions, it felt a bit like, you know, we're talking about these films. These films already exist. Yes, they put a bit of... Um, spit and polish, but not quite got the spit off, just, you know, they polished a bit, and then there's some drool hanging Mm. off the end of it, but the fact is that it's almost like we're avoiding talking about Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, this year's Bond movie... Yeah,
2: du um, it, it, it was made backwards the,
1: it, the reaction was perfect It uh, was
2: made backwards in the sense that they, they knew What all the stunts they were going to do was With all them riding on the bicycle and things like Being chased by a helicopter and things like that They knew all the stunts they were going to do They didn't have a script yet The script came later and worked around a, the
0: stunts I, I must admit, all the,
2: the later Bond things All blur, uh, Pierce Brosnan years, all blur This is into the one, one so where
0: is Jonathan Price. Oh yeah, okay. Okay. okay It's that one
2: Yes yeah. Um. Yes, it's 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 the it, it's, this is a second one, isn't it? And the big yeah. thing about Terry Hatcher being in it, but she's barely in it.
0: She's kind of murdered or something in a hotel room. I yeah, barely.
2: And she's, she's Price's wife, and basically Price overhears that she has a conversation with Bond and realizes they've known each other before. So he thinks, Hmm, yes, I shall murder her without questioning her first. It, it's it's like have these characters ever met? Did they ever really get married? What's going on here?
0: Yeah, I don't know, I just kind of watched it and it washed over me a bit. It
1: wasn't really as exciting as... Well, maybe there was some kind of non-disclosure thing going on there where Terry to sign on to do a James Bond movie and then she read the script and went, I don't want to do this. And I went, well, you're contractually obliged to appear now. I went, is there nothing we can do? No, no, no,
2: went... no, no. it was all... Because she has to die so Bond can have a motive to go after Price because he just can't do a mission, can he? Because <laughs> he's a bad guy oh, with a bad God objective of wanting to sink yeah, the Royal right. Navy. Mm, so you can get television yeah. programs sold in China.
1: Yeah, great. Okay, uh, let's, let's, let's cheer ourselves up by talking about Men in Black. Yeah, that was a good bit of fun, I think. I, I, I enjoyed it. One of the things that always got me about Men in Black, and this lasts this day, is that you kind of enjoy it when it's happening, and you get to the end and you go, oh, is that it? Yes. And not, not in a bad way, not in a bad way, like, is it, that all there is, but in a way it, where it's like, Oh okay I kind of enjoyed that but I feel it's not very
0: satisfying it's a bit it felt to me like a very very well made modern tv pilot show with tons of money thrown at it but there was something a bit mundane about it in a weird way it wasn't I was expecting to a big storyline and it kind of felt a bit
1: small that's all yeah um I should ask at this point are we going to to talk about the iceberg in the room
2: I think we should at least address
1: um, it, sure, yeah, why not, yeah, I mean, you know it's not it's a bit out of our uh, it's not it's a, it's a drama, so but it was a big c g i festy
0: thing event film,
1: wasn't it, so yeah, I probably yeah it deserves a, a parting mention. It was described least. by a friend of mine as an abuse all right to all those people that died on the I just of
0: the- i all I remember is like. Like, certain films I admire for the certain craftsmanship of it. And I there's something in me that admired the fact, even though it's totally ridiculous, that, you know, he got all the cutlery made by the original makers of the Titanic. And if the camera were to pan in on any spoon, there would be a little crest. Now, that (laughs) is insane, right? It is insane. It's not how you make films. It's how you feed an addiction to craziness, right? But somehow I admire that. I think it's just mad. Well, um, as a, you know, but I mean, that's nothing to do with filmmaking at all. That is just someone with money who just wants to re- rebuild this fascination they have since childhood of... You know, a, the
2: Titanic. There's an actor called yeah. Martin Jarvis who's in Titanic. You may not realize it because he's barely there. Martin Jarvis is reasonably well-known as far as British actors yeah. go. And he, he was describing, I think I think he did his autobiography. when I, At the time I did audiobooks, we did that thing. And he was talking about his experience with doing Titanic. And basically, like all the actors, because they were playing people who historically were there. And he was playing yeah. Lord Cosmo. And he had he had scenes. He had things to do. But basically, the, the, the production was just so chaotic that the the entire all these supporting cast basically spent their time in the hotel. All of right. them. This is why this film had this massive spiralling budget. One of the many reasons. I mean, you know, he went on set and there he was, Mr. Cameron, on his crane seat, going, "Gentlemen, welcome to my personal hell." So yeah, it, it, chaotic. I mean, he had so much downtime. He was like, "Are the rights to the book uh, actually tied down for you know the uh, what's it called the?" Um, Wonderful Night, what it's called. Oh, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, so he, he, he snapped up the audio rights to the book. So a night, like, to night to Remember. Night to Remember, that. that's right. He snapped up the rights to that and did it as an audio book and cleaned up on the Titanic sort a wave of nostalgia. Is Sue so still around? Uh, no. No. I was wondering if she could chime in on Titanic because in many ways... Oh, I don't think she cares. I don't think she cares. Because in many ways people say it chimes with, with the female audience. Let's put that to the test, shall we? Yes. So...
1: Do you care about Titanic? Not particularly. There we go.
0: That's the end of that. Cheers. Thanks, love. It seemed like, you know, a disaster movie with, with an annoying love story I thrown in the middle. I was
3: about Titanic. I went to go and see it with my sister Michelle for her birthday um, because she wanted to go and see it for her birthday and she invited a load of people to go and see it for her birthday. So we all went to go and see it, and we all went to go and see it for our birthday, and I got back to my house being burgled. That's how my experience in Titanic. Okay, it's there more we go. interesting to me because my house got burgled.
1: There so we go. So, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's uh, finish up today in outer space. Uh, first of all, let's go to outer space for a message of hope, for a wonderful reminder that once upon a time, Robert Zemeckis could make a film with real people doing actual things that had some kind of dramatic point. I am, of course, talking about Contact.
0: Oh, yes. Now, I really enjoyed Contact, I have to say. That was a thought-provoking film, I think.
1: Yes, it, it, it's definitely... Um, it's got some great stuff in it. And, and I think it's interesting in that there's not very many
2: science fiction movies like Contact. Can someone explain to me why the government want to suppress the fact that there's aliens, why they were sabotaging the whole thing for the nefarious conspiracy reasons? I, I no, don't quite get it. I'm
1: not, not it. saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Sorry, carry on. No, no. Well, I, I think the question, that you know, the, the,
0: it's still relevant today, the question that's asked and posed in that. the You know, the concept of religion and science. And... I think it was the first time I really got the idea of, they, you know, the message of it is that, you know, they both require a leap of faith.
1: But I think there's also the fact that, I mean, yes, the real reason that, you that, that, that I mean, it's not really, I don't think Robert Zemakis is the right person to make, you know, this movie. The movie about the fact that, yeah, there would be politicians who would try and suppress the fact of aliens due to the fact that if you could prove scientifically that there were aliens, it throws the Bible into a bit of a cocked hat and there are politicians who could well, exploit the demonization of scientists trying to kill god uh, as a political over uh, but Zemeckis wasn't really concerned about that per se but no i mean it's a cynical fact of life that if you did prove uh, you know people have proven that there were dinosaurs but there are still people who say these people with their dinosaurs do they care about jesus no they don't and they do that so it's the same 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 sad thing i'm yeah. afraid
2: uh, the other thing that occurs to me about the film is that the aliens' plan is like we shall make humans make contact with us, and then we shall say hello, and then we shall say we will not speak again for quite some time. Don't ask why we're doing this; it's just how we do it. That that felt a little bit frustrating as well. Well, well a bit like God in that respect,
1: isn't it? Well, yeah. well I think there's also the point there are parallels. I think the point is that uh, it it's it. It's Carl Sagan imagining that uh, some great cosmic being who has the power to send, uh, these plans through the ether, uh, for us to build a dimensional gateway that takes us miles, you know, in a in blink of an eye, really gives a crap about us and wants us to, yeah. Go on, Slugger. You continue, and you're there. I can't do the work for you, of course. Uh, so more kind of a deism
0: sort of a view of things.
1: But it is, it's, it, 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 you know, it is
0: parallel origin. That's I mean That's the whole kind of thing, really. It's kind of the idea. Go on, build churches for me, and I'll just. I don't really care now. I'm I'll just do something else. Yeah, whatever. Free will. Bye. <laughs> okay. You know, it's a smart film. It really is. And um, um, if you haven't seen it, well, we've given away one of the central part of, of the, the film, but, yeah, but well, still, there's, a, there's a lot to still, it. Still, there is a lot to it, and it's a, you know, Let's it's, face it's, it. I, I haven't seen it for a while, but I would think that it's still pretty it relevant. It starts,
1: it starts with the same sort of thing that starts uh, Species, but has vastly different results mm. to that movie. But yeah, and, uh, to finish off, uh, it's still in space, uh, but with a, a less how can we put it beneficent uh well,
0: we have of course event horizon yeah which those of you who know have, have listened to this will know that this is one of my favorite films um oh, i think it's a spectacular you covered it in the halloween episode yeah yeah i i, I think um yeah i don't really know really what i can add to that um but it is generally disturbing. the first time you see it is generally disturbing It's definitely a case of, you know, what you don't see scares you more than what you do. It's a very kind of, you know, and it's a great fusion of, you know, religion, science fiction, kind of gothic horror. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just a very successful film. It does.
1: It does demonstrate that wherever else you may think, poor W.S. Anderson is not doing what he does What's it for a laugh? Incompetently, because uh, the bits, like you say, the bit, I know what you're referring to. you see what you don't see scares you. They had rings of footage of that stuff, mm. and and they were going to have like, oh, we found the log. Here's ten minutes of people wandering through hell. And Paul Anderson went, well, the film's running a bit long. And honestly, I think it would probably be better if you if they couldn't actually see it properly. Yeah. And thus, uh, you know one of the scariest moments yeah, in cinema absolutely. history was forged in the fact that it's like, oh my God, what are they doing? Oh, it's gone. Ah,
0: uh, what don't am I know. saying? Oh, On my head? That's uh, like, oh, get out of my head! Get out of my head!
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, you know, despite the fact that it gets very silly at the end. And I know that it's not really, you know, the world's... Mo- but it does wig me out, that yeah. film. And there's not many films that do, so, you know. Yeah,
2: the thing that always... I mean, it's, it's, I can accept everything. The only thing that makes me go, ah, is when the astronaut gets blown out into deep space and then uses his air tank to... Rocket his way back to the ship again. And it, that, that just seemed a bit too cartoony. Yeah, it's cool character so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Sean <laughs> got, uh getting blown to pieces. So there we go. All good fun. But, but uh, I, I don't want to, um, disagree with you, Leo. But also, just as an aside, because we do track our action, action heroes, it wasn't Stallone making Copland this year, so he was being a bit dumpy and a bit past it. Uh Whilst Schwarzenegger was tr- going around in his plastic suit so of asked armor,
0: him that he was doing some method acting. I must,
1: I must, I must mean, say, I've never seen Copland.
0: Oh, I think it's good. Well, you know, it's, it's all right. He's decided that he's going to actually, you know, put on a bit of weight, it, to play it's, out it's... The character, and. It oh, is most, he's, Where's old Kilmer working on
2: that? Though? <laughs> it's his most low-powered yeah. character, because he's just kind of like... People felt sorry for him, that's why he had a job, because he had a hearing difficulty, didn't he, or something, from an injury. So that's why he was the cop in a town... that's playing more basically,
0: yeah. for the first time. He's not an action hero. He's playing... Uh,
1: <coughs> Rocky, not for the first time. No, not for the first
0: time, that's true. But even so, he's still a bit of a... He might be vulnerable, but he's still like this, you know, gargantuan... Character. That, I mean, physically, he looks more
2: real. Yeah. Uh, but on, so, sp- so, spe- speaking so, of, um, so spe- I
1: guess, and that's in our ongoing Stallone versus Schwarzenegger slugfest.
2: Stallone takes 1997 easily. Yes. even yeah. Even whilst okay. eating all the donuts. Yeah. Uh, speaking of secret agents, of course, Austin Powers, the first and best of that uh, that trilogy of films, comes out this year.
1: Do you know what? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's finish
2: fun. let's finish on that. Austin Powers. Good fun. The thing
1: about it is, I've, I thought this was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen when I first saw it. Yeah. Yep. But over time, I've come to realise that the reason I thought that is because I didn't really know what it was going to be. And I went to see it, and it just caught me by surprise. Yeah, it's kind it's of like, crazy.
0: Because it's not really a Bond booth in the same way. It's kind of a... It's more a kind of a 1960s persuaders kind of... Kind of spook it's 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 strange and bizarre and but
1: but you know it's funny I think uh, yeah it, 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 It's 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 without a doubt it has some funny moments, but it's not quite as hilarious as I thought it was when I first the thing was well, that-
0: catchphrase heavy and you know it's like that kind of it's it's a bit like villain uh not Bill and Ted, uh, it's a bit like um Wayne's world there are little skits that you remember you yeah. know little little things. Uh, riffs off of the genre
1: and stuff. Um, I think I think Ian wants to tell you to zip it.
2: No, no. Well, all zip going it aside, there. The, Oh, zip, zip. I've got plenty more zip for you. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, the thing that always stuck in my head about it is that the first in Powers. I have a, a fondness for subsequent films, less and less so as they progressed. Uh, the thing is, in the first Austin Powers movie, he's not a sex symbol. He's not a sexy guy. He just come from a very promiscuous era. Uh, but for some reason, in the subsequent films, no, no, he does apparently have this aura of sexiness about, him that women find absolutely irresistible. It's like, no, no, that's not the gag. The gag is he, he just he just comes from a time where everyone was sleeping in everybody, and and now and now in this modern era, we can see him as a, a bit of a sleazy little guy. You know, am I alone in this thing?
1: Um,
0: yeah I, yeah, I mean they were just riffing off it, weren't they? I mean they weren't saying I don't think they were saying anything terribly new. Uh, in the subsequent films, because it's kind of just the same gag being reused. yes they
3: cook me." Um,
0: even the stuff, that, which is the kind gag of the car. fun, ending with the yep. you know the nudity, it, that's just repeated again. It has again to be nudity. said
1: that the, the breakaway character, uh, as Sue's just pointed Doctor out, is not in fact Austin Powers; it is in fact Doctor Evil. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
2: he is. I think also that character has utterly killed Blofeld. James Bond can never bring back Blofeld now, ever. Because of, because of Dr. Evil.
1: One million dollars. Well that's <laughs> what people still say that. One million dollars. Da da, da,
2: da, da, da. <laughs> Bob, Did you know one
3: million dollars is not very much? In <laughs> fact we made like 30 million last year. Of we'll the subsidiary shelf.
1: I mean. <laughs> uh, uh, and, oh, and, and the oh, other thing, the yeah. other thing that <laughs> survives, the other thing that survives is Sharks with laser beams on their heads. Mm -hmm. Um, and And I think I think there's a possibility at the time, obviously James Bond has laser beams and James Bond has sharks, yeah? So they just put them together. I think the reason that that joke has survived so well is because then the Sci-Fi Channel came along and actually started putting things like that on the screen, <laughs> octopus and things like that. And so, what was a throwaway gag in you know, a Mike Myers movie from 1997 became something that's actually a staple.
3: Getting my belly.
1: Uh, yeah, no, that, that's a sequel thing. You see, that was a him, yeah, that was not a good character. Yeah, uh, so there we go. Cool. So uh, yes. We've, uh, we, before we uh, spin out a control into the dark dimension, where we speak entirely in catchphrases <laughs> from Mike Myers movies, it's time to say uh, party on and be excellent to each other. Should um, uh, yeah.
2: Oh no, not not Wayne's World. I can't stand it. Uh,
1: so let's uh, let's move on from that donkey.
2: Um, but <laughs> But yes, 1997, uh, how do we feel about it all, guys? I uh, think it's
1: pretty good, actually. What was nice about it is, because I did the disaster roundup at the beginning, which was more, this is the 90s... You know how the, um, how the previous ones have been like, oh my God,
0: half of this is utterly awful... It's getting less, isn't it? Actually, it's filtering it out. There it's, are some, there are some turkeys, but not many. And I think well, pretty much overall, it's a pretty strong year. Yeah,
1: you start picking through, and you start going, and then now, and the thing is that uh, the things in 1997 that start to pick themselves out. You know, we talked about Men in Black, Starship Troopers, The Fifth Element, things like that. These are the things that we would recognise as cinema. You know, if someone born in 1997 who, at this time, time goes, time goes, will be about 14 or 15 years of age. Time goes. Um, <laughs> someone born in 1997 will soon be able to vote and stuff like that. Stop it. Uh, anyway,
2: yeah. So, that's I mean, X- XKCD, isn't it? Yes. That's, yes, watch one of those the other day where it pointed out that that Forrest Gump is now further away in time than the Vietnam War was when Forrest Gump first came on. <laughs> ah.
1: But, um but yeah, so, um It's actually gonna
3: say 1997. Yeah.
1: 2007 is 10, and 2017 would be 20, so it's 2014 now, so there'd be about 14, 15 at this point. If they were born then, yeah. If they were born then, yeah. So someone Uh, born in 1997... Oh, sorry. Which means that they're now going to... You meant somebody 14 in
3: 1997. No, no, someone
1: born in 1997 who's now going to see 12, 8 things at the cinema would recognise films from the year of their birth as cinema, whereas certain things from before 1997, they'd be like... People don't make films like this. There are still films like that in 1997, The Rainmaker being one of them. They'd go, why is this on a cinema screen? Why isn't it on my television? Why isn't it on my Netflix, on my iPad? You know, that's what they would say. But then you look at The Fifth Element, and they go, oh, yeah, that's a movie. That's a, that's a film from the cinema. I can tell that. That's the thing. So yeah, and before this, there was precious little thing. You know, it's like when I said about back in 1989 about The Abyss being one of the few films that I'd rewatched where I go, this actually stands up pretty well today. I mean, that's a remarkable achievement in 1989, but now it's less, in 1997, less so. But yeah, that's, this is, this is it, folks. The beginning of the modern era of cinema and and so on that bombshell we shall disappear into a self-generated black hole and send back some sketchy holiday photos <laughs> with static all over them i'm gonna um, eat my own arm how about you it's fine i'm
3: just gonna go shoe shopping in new york and let you lot get on with it except yeah. i don't have feet but it's
1: fine okay um oh was- yes of course there is one further piece of business on the agenda. After all the other pieces of business, wow. it starts to get a bit crowded. If people want to uh, prevent us from going to our certain doom in a large tin can that drops through a self-generated black hole, where might they go to warn us
2: off, in? Well, I'm jolly glad you asked me that question, Leo, because I want to point people towards our Facebook page, which you can find on Facebook for slash Revenge of the 80s Kids. And that's 80s as in numbers, so 80s. Please go there and like our page. It is our community hub. We put up links to our podcaster, as well as links we find interesting. But podcasts are what it's all about. And for those who want to point your web browser towards 80s kids, and that's 80s as in letters, so e-i-g-h-t-i-e-s com. please go there and subscribe to our podcast using the podcast aggregator of your choice or download to your PC for dark reasons of your own. Uh, but this is only where our most recent podcasts can be found. For the legacy of our podcasts, you must go to
1: leostableford.blogspot.com where the entries that have archives are far more interesting now for they have the little eye dents that go with every show. Got to catch them all, folks. Um, and uh, also you can find other stuff that I'm wambling on about in my brain uh, and then putting it on the screen there. So that's all fascinating. But, of course, a picture is worth a thousand words. So if people want to catch a couple of thousand words of your thoughts, Justin, where might they go? Well, yeah, and let me just say that there are absolutely
0: no drawings of Ian... <laughs> like one of one of the French girls. I'm just saying it's, it doesn't exist. Uh, With a pendant poised on my chest. Page, uh, which you find me on Justin White uh, at dvnr. So yeah. Uh,
1: so that's that's where you can find all of us. Where can they find you <laughs> too? Ah, she's like a ninja in the <laughs> night. Uh, so all that remains is for us to say, uh, I'm a,
3: I'm around, but I won't add you. Yeah, I won't speak to you fine, Get fine, over
1: yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, so all it remains is for us to say uh, goodbye uh, and uh, stay tuned after the credits for scenes from our next episode or not. <laughs> goodbye. Sharks with freaking lasers on their heads.
2: Speaking of end credits, um, this show actually has two witty segments of my preparation, but the other one goes... You see how
0: (laughs) how it's working? Two, and then three, and it's like, right, we just need to, this week, we just need to record a segment, probably about three or four minutes to
2: fit in between what i prepared. (laughs) Yeah, uh, So I'll play in a thing, and then there'll be a, a small element of participation afterwards.
0: Oh, hello. Justin,
2: Justin, Justin Wyatt. Justin, Justin, man of the art. Justin, Justin, why
0: is he so fab? Justin, Justin, on a
2: podcast. Yes, it's true. Justin Wyatt, you have been doing Revenge of the 80s kids now for a year. Well, longer than a year because your first episode, of course, wasn't actually being recorded. We just sort of sat around and had a nice chat for an hour. But regardless, you joined afterwards. Episode 14, Hulk the Slayer, you were there. And now, a year later, we come to celebrate your addition to the crew. Only you weren't here for that episode, you were at a barbecue, so we're doing it this week instead. Justin, you've been here for a year. Ta! Thanks for that, you've given up your free time your precious Saturdays to sit around for no other reason to the natter on on this podcast we insist on doing, and we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your time, your contributions, for your 20% greater chance of laughing at one of my jokes than Leo will. Jim everything. You bring an additional flavour, a source, a, a certain magic, an X-factor to it all. You you just complete us. And I just want to say thank you. And Leo wants to say thank you as well. We all want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for doing this for a year. And you're going to be doing it for another year at least. Make it, Jim. Trust me on that one. So, yes, I thought I'd throw this little thing together just to celebrate the moment. The moment in time where Justin had done this for a year. It was just a kind of an impulse thing, really. There's no special reason for it other than to celebrate Justin. I mean, it's not like an obsessive thing or anything. It was just something that came to me and I did it on an impulse. Look, don't make too much fuss about it, okay? I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition.
1: Nobody expects the Justin Inquisition! Our secret weapon is surprise. Surprise, and knowing an awful lot of trivia about Justin White. Two, two, our two weapons are
3: surprise, and knowing an awful lot of trivia about Justin White. Just two, I'm not pursuing this gag any further. So, yes, Justin, prepare. For a small trivia quiz
1: about yourself, surely a round of questions you might actually score some points in this time. But <laughs> before the ordeal, perhaps you would like
3: to record some words for the history book of the damned.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, I've actually got some event to go to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See you later.
2: <laughs> My God, he's got style. <laughs> oh, so, Justin, you've been here for a year. Yeah, tough for that.
0: Wow. Has it really been that long? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it felt like two, I know.
3: Like it, Justin...
0: I, I did sign up for a, for, the, for the Ian show with added... added <laughs> and what I say, okay, that... uh I, I imagine for the next year I'm going to continuously had all my words rearranged and made myself look an idiot. <laughs> for your, for, for your, for your pleasure. In does anyone actually listen to this? Is this is a for Ian, so he can sit there playing with his, cause you know, there's no one around, so he he, he makes up little fun and games with the, with the snippets of conversation he has across the world. I don't need friends, I do a <laughs> podcast. It's been a pleasure, sir. That's uh
1: goodbye! <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 no! Put him down! Don't let him go!
1: I, I for one, sorry, right, I've jumped, I've jumped on him because I for one am curious to hear this Justin quiz. Oh no. Prepare.
2: <laughs> well, the, the, the shape of the quiz is I shall read out a quote from Justin and then he must determine what on earth he's talking about. It could be a <laughs> film or TV show. And we shall proceed with this until it becomes so tedious we can't bear it anymore. So, Shall we begin? Yes! Yes. Let us begin! (laughs) Bring in the comfy chair! (laughs) Okay, number one. People might hate it and laugh at its laughable budget, but it was quite important to my formative years. It's the kind of closest thing I have to what I was doing at the time, like role-playing. I used to watch it dozens of times with my mates, and, hold, and it holds a very special place in my heart. It had apparently an abundance of silly string and trice machines, and really, what more do you need in terms of epic fantasy?
0: Well, oh, now this is such a tough one, Ian. This is such a tough one. you uh,
2: could it perhaps be Hawk the Slayer? It has to be. My God, <laughs> correct. It is indeed Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> Um, I saw it the first time with some mates, and we just crawled up a cinema, cinema, being very quiet, and sat in the car going home, being very disturbed by it. It's a classic example of what you don't see. It's not what you expect from a sci-fi film. The unsettleness of it. It's really kind of dark and sinister. It's horrific.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm thinking Batman and Robin. Now actually, I think it might be Event Horizon, of course. Correct. Correct. Right.
2: Uh, the thing that stood out was the robot. It's not like a person in a suit or a bit of special effect. You can believe, well, I mean, not in every scene, but you can believe that this sort of thing was moving around and doing stuff. You could see the workings of it. It wasn't the kind of science fiction robot we are used to, so it had a kind of believability to it, even if it's, it's a crazy story. The idea of having a personality is completely ridiculous, but the actual thing of itself was believable.
0: Oh, I don't know. Um, it could be short circuit, although I don't quite remember that. But uh, I'm going to say that because I can't think of anything else. Yes, it was short circuit. Ah, Right. You're doing quite well so far.
3: He's Obviously, doing well on it it's a bit
0: strange that somehow I'm <laughs> answering the questions of the things I've said <laughs> a few months ago. Uh,
2: <laughs> Remarkably well. But yes. better than others. These are your opinions, so I, I would hope to chime in with you somewhere. Obviously, uh, the forerunner of the Crystal Maze. It was very cheap and cheerful. But I remember Avli because it was quite different. All those strange characters essentially playing a part of these weird aliens, with celebrities or regular people bumbling around trying to solve puzzles. I hadn't really seen anything like it, and I was tapping to my interests in role-playing games and puzzles.
0: Hang on a minute. I'm just going to have a word with the pot plant in the corner to answer this question.
2: Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is doing game? very well. Yes, it is the adventure game. You're doing very well. Uh, when it comes to it, who doesn't want to see a dragon fly around on screen? There was a lot of dinosaurs before that. That's what excited me about it. It was a kind of earthy, earthy fantasy thing. But I wasn't—I was watching it for the dragon. That's what I it's all I was caring about. Um, uh,
0: I think that's—is um, it Dragon Slayer? It is Dragon Slayer. We won a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm very in touch with myself. <laughs> he
3: just <touches laughs> Sp- himself? himself.
0: I'll be back shortly.
2: It's an uh, odd oh. film. It's exists weird alternative universe. It's got characters you can remember, but they're totally different. They're wrong somehow. They're not right. The fact she is now podgy and wearing a toupee just makes it worse. I found it unwatchable in places. It feels like a cheese dream, but you just imagine ha- that, that it happened. It's not right somehow. It just spoils everything that came before it. I've tried to forget about it.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, No, I've forgotten that one. I don't know what that is. That's Never Say Never Again. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. You see, Uh, it was such an awful... I remember I've forgotten everything I ever said about it, as well as the film itself.
2: At that time, a lot of my friends were very much into things like this. Some of them had read the book... We did watch it, and I enjoyed it, although I never think at the time it was an incredibly involved world. There's a lot to it. It didn't intimidate me, but it didn't hang very well together as a film, even though I did love the visuals and design. It exists and should be checked out. It's worth seeing if you're into sci-fi. It's flawed, but it's still a work of genius. Uh, June? Yes. Oh, this is flawless. (laughs) Absolutely flawless. Okay, well, one last one, then. This should be the easiest of the bunch. Probably the worst film I have ever seen in my entire life. I wouldn't encourage people to watch it, even with some kind of morbid fascination. It almost broke me. I was near some kind of nervous breakdown. (laughs) It all appears to be stapled together in some various kind of bits. It's filmed all over the place. Like (laughs) some... (laughs) (laughs) No! The plot makes no sense. No more slipstream. No more slipstream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go to well, a happy place. Jonathan. Go to. Well, I was happy there. I was play. there five
0: minutes ago.
2: Hang on, wait a second. Yes. Man. Well, there you are. You do know your own opinions. You've been paying attention to something. Anyway, yes. Thank you for being here for a year. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, with, with, with no further ado, uh,
1: that's the end. Everyone can leave now. <sighs> Bye. No, seriously, get out. <coughs> Uh, yes. There's no, no
0: way it's there's no there's no insightful, you know, glimpse of the neck the next one coming up or anything, just go it off. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. What are you still
2: doing here? Go!
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, if me taking your lines and cutting them out and putting them in little sketches <laughs> offend you, I, I, will, I will stop. I'm joking.
3: You no. um, you're joking,
2: you're having a great job. I, I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and, I, I'd also like to apologise for battering you over the head with your anniversary of being on the podcast.
3: It's
0: not surprising. I'm touched in a kind of a strange way. Which... I... <laughs> Uh-oh! There
2: goes the new clip!
0: Don't use that, please. Don't use that. What you say? Seriously, you
3: think you'll learn? You think one day you would learn? I <laughs>